What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 16, and we're going to cover Genesis 45 through 47. You ready, my guy? Yes, sir. All right, let's dive into 45. Last time we left off, Joseph had revealed himself to his brothers, and I grabbed verse 1 because I just couldn't control myself like Joseph couldn't control himself. And so he says in verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father alive? But the brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph. Listen to this, bro, whom you sold into Egypt. He doesn't hold back on reminding them of their sin, but he's not bringing it up to condemn them. He's bringing them up to show them that it was all part of the plan, and he'll even reveal it. Let's keep reading. Do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there still are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth, and to keep you alive by great deliverance. And let's read this, and we got to talk, bro, because I I can't contain myself. This is getting (laughs) so good. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, and has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over the land of Egypt. All right, let's stop there, bro, because so much just smacked me in the face. I don't even know where to start, but we got to be conscientious of our time. So let's grab what we can grab here. He reveals himself to his brothers. He can't contain himself. He reminds them of how he got there. He said, whom you sold (laughs) into Egypt. But then he says, but don't be greedy or angry, for it was God who sent me here for the famine. All right. It's so much going on here. So one, we got a lot of wickedness, a lot of sin that got Joseph to where he was, but he got there because of a famine. And so look at how great of a chess player God is. God says, look, I told you all that you will be a great nation. I told you all the seed will come from you, but you're not listening. Judah is starting to go into Canaanite women and the Canaanites are having more of a positive effect on you than you're having on them. Mm. So, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the wickedness that you're already using and use that for my glory. One, I'm going to get a deliverer into Egypt. Why Egypt? Egypt specifically because the Egyptians loathe the Israelites. So if I can get them in that place, I can get them into a great nation without them intermingling and intermarrying. Check one. Check two. Now I got to get all of them there. How will I get all of them there? Famine. (laughs) Man, this is powerful. And so not only that, I'll promote and I'll vindicate my guy Joseph for going through all this and make him second in command through it all. Check three. 
And check four, we'll see later. I got to get them out back to the land. Right. But we'll pause there. I don't want to get too excited. But just talk to me about that, how sovereign God is, how he's always working and weaving together his plan. And he just has so many moving pieces. And like I said, Jacob played connect four or checkers and Laban was playing chess. Man, God is the master chess player. Even Laban could not even hold any weight when it comes to God. Talk to me about all of that, bro. Yeah, no, I think Joseph had the right mindset that he knew he knew ultimately God was in control, whether it was the good things that happened to him or the tough things that happened to him. We have that mindset. That's part of uh, what we were talking about before, of being content in every situation. If we understand God loves us and wants the best for us, even when hard things happen, and ultimately his will is going to come out in the end. Man, that is so true. But also talk to me about that word in verse 7, to preserve for you a remnant. Now, that word gets important because (laughs) God always has his remnant. And we'll see that even in the time of Elijah, Elijah is distraught when he has that showdown with the guys and Jezebel makes that statement, okay, look, boy, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) He, He runs for the hills. And when he's on the mountain, he says, God, I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one who loves you. There's nobody out here that seeks you. And God says, look up. There's 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. That's a very powerful statement, one of the most powerful statements in Scripture because it's God showing him, look, Elijah, you're not alone. I always have my remnant. And he says that here that he has a remnant. And he raised up Joseph, who most people think is the seed. He's not. He's a deliverer of the seed. And we'll talk about the seed here later. But talk to me about that remnant. Man. It's beautiful because as believers, we're his rem- remnant. We think about like how even our city, of uh, how wicked wicked it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes like everywhere else. Christians doing things, sharing the gospel. Just like you said, God's always going to have those, those remnants. Man, that's so good. And it says that he sent his brothers away. I'm picking up verse 24. And they departed. And he said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. And they went up from Egypt to the land of Canaan to their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive and indeed is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And he was stunned, for he did not believe them when they told him all the words of Joseph. And he had spoken to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go up and see him before I die. Man, this man has gone through so much in his life. And that one statement there resuscitated him. It gave him life. What do you think about that, bro? Like how powerful words are. Proverbs talks about this, how words can give life to a person, give life to your bones and be a fountain, a healing spring to you. And just like a bad word, could harm a person like his son is telling him his son is dead mm. like that changed the trajectory of his life and just like this hearing his son is alive death and life is in the power of the tongue that's what that means that doesn't mean we go out and manifest and speak things into existence that means words have power bro if you tell your son you'll never be anything in life that stuff is gonna stick 
Just like if you tell him, son, you can do anything under the, the will of God, Lord willing, you could be anything and I have your back. I'm here. I support you. Man, that's going to put a rocket under your son. Not and actually. it's just thinking about the power of words and how he was revived by that one statement of his sons. And walking into chapter 46, it says, this is so powerful to me. It says, so Israel set out with all he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Jacob. And look at this. Guess who speaks now? God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Mm. Man, isn't that powerful? Because this just gives me more insight on how God leads. God comes to him this many years later and gives him instruction. God didn't speak to him and tell him, look, Jacob, your sons are lying. Like they're telling you your son is dead, but he's not dead. Listen to my voice. He could have came in. Jacob, your sons are lying. <laughs> Hold him accountable and go find your son. He's been sold into slavery. God is silent there. He's working out a plan, but God speaks here. Man, talk to me about that, like how God moves and how he works in our lives, because this is so important. If we can catch this rhythm of how God moves, he speaks when he wants to. No, absolutely. I think that we're going to actually see this play out in the, at the beginning of Exodus mm. when we see the, uh, the Israelites start birthing so many children. Yeah, God's with them there. He's blessing the womb is what it says. But part, part of our Christian walk is learning how to trust God. God's not always going to give us the answers. I, I, we talk to people all the time doing evangelism. They say, why do good thing, bad things happen to good people? Or why did my son pass away? Or these things. And God really doesn't give us those answers on this side of eternity a lot of times. And we have to be learn to trust him and know that he has our best interest at hand. Man, that's good, brother. And it just encourages me to know that if we can catch that rhythm of how God moves, because we want him to speak a certain way in our lives, and he doesn't. And we need to get on his wavelengths and not ours, because ours will be, why did you let me experience all of this turmoil, all of this persecution, all of this struggle, all of these trials? You could have ended this in one sentence, but he doesn't. And so we just need to learn how to obey and trust God better. But let's ride out chapter 46. We get a list of names of those who come to Egypt. And in fact, it says this in verse 26. It says, all the persons belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt, his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's son, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. So we got 70. This is nowhere near a great nation. Mm -mm. But in that 70, just back up a little and grab from verse 12, the sons of Judah, Ur and Onan and Shelah and Perez and Zerah. Bro, Perez is coming down to Egypt. And inside Perez is guess who? Jesus Christ, my guy. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Jesus Christ is in the loins of Perez, and he's going down into Egypt. 
and is about to experience another scene. And even Moses controls the rest of the narrative from here on out. And just like Joseph, we would think the seed would be in Moses, wouldn't we? But it's not. He's another deliverer. And we'll see that as we continue to go. But grab verse 28. It says, now he sent Judah before him to Joseph. Why is Judah being pointed out now as the leader and not Reuben? You made mention of that before. Why is that, bro? That's, He's got the seed. That's our God. That's our king. And that's our, we, we saw a corporate solidarity through him, the one standing for the many. And Judah's our leader now. We've ID'd our real leader. And like we said, this is the story of Judah just as much as it's the story of Joseph. And we get that statement again in verse 34. I think you mentioned this uh, when we were talking a little earlier today. It says, you shall say your servants have been keepers of livestock from their youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. So Joseph is training them how to talk before Pharaoh so he can get them in a designated spot. But we get another nugget that shepherds, not only shepherds, Israelites are loathsome to the Egyptians. So can you see God's plan unfolding more? God saying, look, you, you're, you were supposed to be a positive impact in the land. You weren't. I'm going to get you out of the land amongst the people that you are loathsome to just so I can take that 70 and get you to a number that's unfathomable to a great nation. Isn't that powerful, bro? No, absolutely. Let's walk into verse 47 and wrap it up. So they come down, they say what Joseph teaches them to say, and it works out. And Pharaoh meets Joseph's father, Jacob. In verse 8, Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant, some translations may say evil there, have been the years of my life nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourn. Talk to me about that. This verse always sticks out to me. You're 130 years old, but your days are few and evil. Man, pretty awesome. Because he, even when we talk about salvation today, one of the prerequisites for salvation is understanding that you actually need a Savior, understanding that you are evil. And I think Jacob gets it. He gets it, man. And he's a fully developed man. man. He's been scheming all his life, and now his name is Israel, and he embraces it. He knows, I've been a schemer all my life. <laughs> you know how we say growing up where we come from, man, I ain't no good or raggedy. We use the word raggedy a lot. And that's what Jacob is saying. I hadn't been a, a good dude, but God has developed me. My, my years have been short and evil, and they haven't been like my fathers, which is Abraham and Isaac. I think respectively 180 and 175 so he hadn't made it that long but still he knows the development god has worked into his life and this is one of the reasons i named my son abel you know the word abel means breath mm. like vapor and i wanted my son to always remember that son your life is a vapor you're gonna be here one minute and gone the next your life is gonna be just like this short and evil man apart from christ his righteousness and I want him to be reminded of that every day that he lives. And I want him to embrace the quote, that famous quote that, what does the guy say? Only what's done for Christ shall last. Mm. And we ride out chapter 47 from there. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt 
for Pharaoh and every Egyptian sold his field because of the famine was severe upon them. And we start to move into Israel's last days and he starts to bless his children. And I think we really want to cover that because it's going to be some really good stuff in those chapters. But anything else you want to cover before we ride out of chapter 47? I think we got it. Yeah. All right, man. We'll pick up next time and we'll move on to day 17, Genesis 48 through 50. Y'all take care. Peace.